I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions. The government to California, broken hearts and bars unknown. And through this night we'll share a lover On that dark radio I got so many beats on Hands pressed cold against the Sits it to the sun Waiting for my skin and bone To return and see what I've become Summer has not yet been here Though my days are long Take me back to when the night was young And another song was sung What are all the Pretty tales, the ones that took me to the store Is there comfort in the siren's way The comfort upon this wooden floor Tell you, is it a failure To forget the ones you once held dear And I try to remember But my mind is no longer clear As a child In the meadow When the storm came through And I burrowed straight back to you Would you 
doubt my love when my day is done I lay down my body within this earth I've won would you try to follow the roads I had to walk there's a whisper in the willow from there you'll hear me talk Have you ever felt you walk the path of your life alone? That you are the only woman to ever make painful, stupid mistakes? To settle for less? To desperately desire love above all else? To yearn for a real partner so much that it hurts? Have you ever thought, why is every woman but me in a great relationship? Why can't I be that happy? or found yourself rejected by the person you love and figured that something was wrong with you. When the devastating breakdown of my 15-year relationship stabbed me at the age of 30, like a wild boar's tusk ripping through my heart, I was convinced that I was the only woman who had ever made such a complete mess of her life. I felt alone, rejected, and furious that I had deceived myself for so long. that I had given up myself to keep the love of another for years only to be left with a heart torn to shreds what i realized shortly after the initial blow of my relationship's end was that i had failed to understand that above all else i needed to honor the most important relationship in my life first the one with myself
In what abyss his mind is plunged, How wildly tossed! Still, still towards the outer night She sinks, her true light lost. As oft as, lashed tumultuously By earth-born blasts, Care's waves rise high, Yet once he ranged the open heavens, The sun's bright pathway tracked, Watched how the cold moon waxed and waned, Nor rested till there lacked To his wide ken no star that steers Amid the maze of circling spheres. The causes why the blusterous winds Vex ocean's tranquil face, Whose hand does turn the stable globe, Or why his even race From out the ruddy east the sun Unto the western waves does run. What is it tempers cunningly The placid hours of spring, So that it blossoms with the rose For earth's engarlanding? Who loads the year's maturer prime With clustered grapes in autumn time? All this he knew, thus ever strove Deep nature's law to guess. Now, reft of reason's light, He lies and bonds his neck oppressed, While, by the heavy load constrained, His eyes to this dull earth are chained.
Start with the most popular brand that nobody likes. The bitter, sweetly harsh taste is unmistakable. Some say it tastes like Robitussin. Others say it reminds them of black licorice. Me, I think that's putting it kindly. I'd compare it to a shot of battery acid laced with kerosene. So let me ask you: Have you ever had a shot of Jägermeister? Now let me ask you: Did you like the taste of that shot of Jägermeister? If you didn't like the taste, that's okay. Very few people do. Very, very few. And yet the brand has grown exponentially. Jägermeister is one of the top-selling spirits in the world. So how is that possible? The odds are quite good that you've done a shot of Jägermeister at some point. If I may, allow me to make a prediction about your experience of it at some point. It was past midnight on a Friday or Saturday night. You were with a group standing at a bar. Somebody in your group, the troublemaker perhaps, suggested with a sly smile, "Hey, let's do a shot of Jaeger." And your first thought was to decline. You already knew the shot would corrode your throat. You knew you'd make a face of disgust as soon as you managed to down the whole thing. But the mere suggestion of a shot of Jaeger suddenly hit a hidden crazy button inside of your brain. This was a chance to find out exactly what was beyond your wildest imagination. You're listening to Bill's Bag of Onions. Big Bag of Onions.
When you ride with a student driver on the highway, you may be reminded of something that confident drivers forget. Piloting a car in a straight line at the same speed as the other cars is pretty easy. But slowing down to switch lanes and exit is actually a lot more challenging, especially if the driver doesn't know the route and is also checking the GPS readout or a map. Those off-ramp and on-ramp moments are where an inexperienced driver is likely to get into trouble, missing a turn, even getting into an accident. But those challenging moments are unavoidable. You can't stay on the highway forever. Similarly, when it comes to the journey of innovation, it's necessary to exit from one road to another. Creative dreams and ideas become competitive projects. Competitive projects require yellow partnerships to keep growing, and increasingly complex ventures need formal controls to keep them running smoothly. But these bigger, better controlled ventures will be unable to make room for all the green dreams and ideas of the people who work for them. And then the cycle must start again. In our highway analogy, that means it's necessary not only to get off the big superhighway. But to do so while beginning a new trip that hasn't yet been thoroughly mapped—that's the most confusing part of the trip: to switch from the end of one leg of the journey to the beginning of another. 
the point where you can easily get lost, or worse if you aren't watching out for the off-ramps and on-ramps. It was the onions. 
Yes. False rumps, false teeth, false hair, false faces. Alas, poor man, how hard thy case is. Instead of woman, heavenly woman's charms, to clasp cork, gum, wool, varnish in thy arms. Epigram entitled Man's Misfortune, Hampshire Chronicle, 1777. There was no ignoring aristocratic ladies' high hair during the Georgian era. Women fainted from the weight of additional wigs and decorations, ducked under doors to avoid collisions, and sat on the floors of coaches due to the scale of it. Many employed two pounds of whitening powder per dressing, simply to maintain their extravagant styles. The epitome of an age of elegance, an elaborate hairstyle was of course just another dazzling and impractical creation, along with wide skirts and beauty patches, which became de rigueur for members of aristocratic society. A poem in the ladies' magazine of 1777 seems to hit the nail right on the head. Give Chloe a bushel of horsehair and wool, of paste and pomatum a pound, ten yards of gay ribbon to deck her sweet skull, and gauze to encompass it round. Let her gown be tucked up to the hip on each side, shoes too high for to walk or to jump, and to deck the sweet charmer complete for a bride, let the cork cutter make her a rump. Thus finished in taste while on Chloe you gaze, you may take the dear charmer for life, but never undress her, for out of her stays, you'll find you have lost half your wife.
We often find the idea of peace somewhat uninspiring and without real color. Yet we live in a world where it seems harder to find people at peace with themselves and at peace with each other. We know that peace is not just the absence of war. Most treaties only disguise simmering conflicts. We know that peace is not just a state of affairs. The flaring of emotion ensures our relationships are unpredictable and often fragile. But we do know that peace is a state of mind. We have all tasted it and tend to seek it in some place with some person or by acquiring some possession at some point in our life. We cannot seek what we have not already known and therefore lost. We also know that if we want to live in a peaceful world, it behooves each of us to bring it first into our own lives. However, that seems to be no small task. It seems there was no one in our younger years who could show us how to create a state of inner peace and sustain it within ourselves. On the contrary, we all seem to grow up encouraged into entering states of excitement and fear, anger and anxiety, sadness and sorrow. Such is the power of the media, if not our parents. Yet most of us will, at some stage, consciously focus our time and energy on our quest for inner peace. Wow, that was such a great bit, don't you think?
big boss man Can't you hear me when I call Why you ain't so big You just talk, that's all Got me working, boss man Working round the clock I want a little drink of water For one lead and to stop Big boss man Oh, can't you hear me when I call? Well, you ain't so big You just talk that all. John is usually the person who arrives at the MSC lab first in the morning, turns on all the lights, and settles himself into his private office. He keeps his door closed so that he can avoid being distracted by his colleagues while he works. He maintains a well-organized calendar and a daily to-do list. Ask him for a copy of a particular journal article, and he can retrieve it in about 10 seconds from among the hundreds of papers neatly arranged by author in his filing cabinets. Be sure to return it. I may need it, he says. If you forget to, he will come looking for it, because he keeps a careful log of everything he lends to his less conscientious fellow researchers. Bray, on the other hand, strolls merrily into work around noon. He prefers to start his day at home, reading and sometimes writing when the mood strikes him. He shares his office with three other researchers by choice, because he finds their spontaneous brainstorming sessions stimulating. Some of his best ideas have been born of these freewheeling discussions. His desk is littered with papers and post-it notes, including one to remind him to call his mother. If you asked him for a copy of a particular journal article, 
you'd better take a seat because it's going to be a while. Which is why no one ever does ask him. They go to John, much to John's chagrin. Tiger Lily Hill My head 
It's a Bill's big bag of onions. Writing begins in China at about the same time it first appears in Mesopotamia. The exact starting point is veiled, contested. The origins of Chinese writing, like those of writing in general, are bound up in an essential paradox. The best evidence for writing is found in writing itself. Characters mass on pages, walls, and screens like ever-multiplying forests. The traces of their beginnings secreted in seraphs and flourishes. Like rings within trees. For the Western eye, the problem is compounded when turned to Hanzi, the characters that comprise written Chinese. In form and usage, as well as the sheer number of glyphs, Chinese writing is so utterly different from alphabetic writing, and yet so utterly recognizable as writing, that it has prompted a great deal of the fascination and puzzlement Westerners have often reserved for Asian culture. In its fascination. The Occidental imagination inclines eastward, in ways that have both troubled and enriched cultures east and west. The uncanny mystery of writing has seemed, to certain Westerners in certain times and places, more glamorously, promisingly, and troublingly encoded in Hanzi than in more familiar writing systems. For these are characters speaking to and through our eyes in ways that would seem to unsettle the streaming, lineal. Wave-like ebb and flow of language in the medium of the alphabet. Words and music combined and alternating. Nobody thought of doing it like this before. Thank you, Bill. Waiting by the lights of Askew Road. There's a heart that used to glow. They're singing. Welcome. Calls a pretty little voice floats above the traffic's noise and sparkles. But sometimes I feel like I'm both a sculptor and a stone. Working at love, but it's not something I've known. Sometimes I feel like a broken sculpture and a stone. Work.
The sun emits three kinds of ultraviolet UV radiation waves, UVA, UVB, and UVC. UVC waves are entirely absorbed by the ozone layer before they reach Earth, but the other two do make it through the atmosphere. The waves, also called rays, are invisible but cause much damage to human skin in the form of wrinkling, sagging, and skin cancer. UVA waves are longer than UVB waves, and until the early 1980s, many scientists considered UVA radiation to be safe. Attention was focused on UVB waves, which are shorter and 800 to 1,000 times as potent as UVA waves in terms of burning the skin. UVB rays penetrate the top layer of skin, causing damage to DNA and thickening the epidermis, the outer layer. They also cause the skin to tan by triggering the production of melanin, which darkens the skin in the body's effort to protect itself from radiation. Exposure to UVB rays has long been known to raise the risk of skin cancer. What about UVA rays? Scientists now assert that UVA rays have properties that make them quite dangerous as well. They're more prevalent than UVB, and they can penetrate through glass, which UVB cannot. Children are particularly susceptible to the effects of ultraviolet rays. How can you protect yourself against UV rays? By avoiding the sun when it's at its strongest, between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., wearing protective clothing and sunglasses, and by using sunscreen with the appropriate SPF rating.
People have been slipping out of this world in occupational clusters I've noticed for years. Four journalists passed their deadline one day, and their obits filled a whole corner of the paper. What news sent them over the edge? How often do you see two great old actresses take their bows, or two major league pitchers strike out together? It is more than coincidence, and certainly more than the vigilance of an editor on the graveyard shift. It's supernatural. I thrilled recently to a pair of obituaries for Paul Winchell, the voice of Tigger in Pooh, and John Fiedler, the voice of Piglet in Pooh. The two had gone silent a day apart. I keep them next to my clip from October 25, 1986, the day the New York Times ran side-by-side obituaries for the scientist who isolated vitamin C and the scientist who isolated vitamin K. One was 93, the other 92. One died on a Wednesday, one on a Thursday. One's farewell ran three columns, one ran two. One extracted the vitamin from tons of cattle adrenals scooped from the Chicago slaughterhouses and also from paprika. One extracted female hormones from tons of sow ovaries. Make something of these differences if you dare. Albert San Giorgi and Edward Adelbert Doisy Sr., Dr. C. and Dr. K., respectively, both Nobel Prize winners, left the world together. Always know the problem like you know the cause We're sinking on a ship we said we'd jump two weeks before I admit my subsequent words had no force I had every intention just to leave you at the door My mundane future was tugging at my sleeve Of babies and changings and midnight feasts If every father in the world thought the same as me What a state, what a state, what a state And there's no hole in my head Accusation, I just ain't the family type Falling short and you've got better plans Escape artist and you just undermine Cause and none effect You said you'd kill it You haven't yet Staring out of bed We shed as friends You stop smoking Just to try for a while While I provoke Your nicotine habit A habit Of standing holding hands Just as friends There's no love With no love The world would surely end The world's end There's no place to start life We'd start a trend And I could not forgive you for that What a state what a state, what a state, why don't you stay? There's no hole in my head, accusation I just ain't the family type. Falling short and you've got better plans, escape artist and you just undermine. Tried to knock some sense into me He goes, after all, a man is just a man 
As I recall, he thumped your mum, bloody hard and bloody hung. Parenthood was about buckle to him. Where to stay? Why don't you stay? And where to stay? Why don't you stay? Why to stay? When I think how far the onion has troubled, just to enter my stew today, I could kneel and praise all small forgotten miracles. Crackly paper peeling on the drainboard, pearly layers in smooth agreement, the way the knife enters onion, and onion falls apart on the chopping block, its history revealed. And I would never scold the onion for causing tears. It is right that tears fall for something small and forgotten. Now, at meal, we sit to eat, commenting on the texture of meat or the herbal aroma, but never on the translucence of onion, now limp, now divided, or its traditionally honourable career, for the sake of others, disappear.
Join me again soon for another big bag of onions.